Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. This is one of your hosts, Erica Pierce, and also joined as well by Eric Trexler. How are you doing, Eric? Eric, I'm doing great. We'll call this the the uh, consumer edition. <laughs> yeah, so we thought we would switch it up this week. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we talk about what's going on in the world of government cybersecurity, um, what's happening in the cybersecurity industry as, as a whole. But we thought this time we'd actually talk about um, just what's going on in our, in our homes and our personal lives in terms of cybersecurity. And we have George Camus of Forcepoint joining us to, for, for this conversation today. Hi, George. Hi, Erica. Hi, Eric. Doing great. Yeah, George actually came and said, hey, I get a lot of questions from people who are not cybersecurity experts about how to deal with cybersecurity in their personal lives. And I said, yeah, I do, too. I bet you do also, Erica. Well, I do, but I definitely (laughs) uh, refer them to other cybersecurity professionals. (laughs) Come on, you're running the podcast here with me. I'm still in that. Did you turn the computer off and on control dot? Control Alt Delete World. So <laughs> after today, you'll be an expert. Let's do it. Well, yeah. So right. you'll be a home CISO. Like <laughs> right. Yeah. How to be a home? How, how to be a home CISO? Home <laughs> yeah. So yeah. let's just jump right into it. So, um, you know, George, like um, Eric just said, this was something that you came up with, and we thank you for that. We always like interesting topic ideas. And so tell us just from your perspective, uh, you know, I know we have a number of things we want to cover, but, you know, what, how do you view cybersecurity from a personal perspective, very different than how we view it, you know, in terms of a, um, when we're thinking of, of cybersecurity from a government threat or, or just from a, you know, in a a large um, organizational threat. Yeah, it's completely different. Consumer versus enterprise. Right, exactly. Yes, exactly. Completely different. And so, you know, we certainly don't have the resources that we have at home that we have here at work or the government has to employ. We don't have large IT staffs. But we don't necessarily have the attack infrastructure or or, or landscape either. That is true. That is true. We are, the information that we have at home is not as valuable to um, someone as corporate data or government data. But nonetheless, it's very important. I'm and sure. sometimes we have corporate or government data at home also. Well, we try not to do that. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed <laughs> to, <laughs> right? Laptops at home. We do. We but put those... the laptop on a corporate network or our oh, own network. That is true. But in many cases, we VPN or use the security mechanisms of our corporate or government laptop to protect that information. What we're talking about today is our home compute systems yep. and IoT and how do, how do we operate in a daily manner. Uh, this came to mind when I was listening to one of our one of your podcasts, Eric, um, you mentioned your 12 year old son. I was thinking, well, gosh, there's other people that listen to this podcast besides, you know, government officials and cybersecurity experts. You know, let's, let's talk a little bit of how we can apply computer security, good computer security techniques to people at home. So let's do it. All right. So one so, of the first things I know um, that was mentioned was always update and patch. And so first, tell some of our, our listeners who may not know what that means, because I actually did not know what patching exactly was. Um, but a lot of times now I now that I know, I better understand it. And I am guilty of delaying some of those um, those updates when you get the <laughs> when you get asked if you want to do them. So talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, good point. That's probably the most important thing. Companies spend a tremendous amount of time and energy developing security patches to push out. Um, the landscapes change quite a bit. Most of the time, it's automatic. Today, with your iPhone, you'll get an automatic push out, or even on your watch, you'll get a, a security update, and it, it, it takes place overnight. Same thing with PCs. There's automated patching that goes on behind the scenes. If you it, enable it and allow it. Well, yes, and it's getting harder and harder to turn that off, which is, is a good, good thing, right? So I guess at the end of the day, whenever someone pushes out a patch, you should take that patch and install it as fast as possible. And in some cases, some devices like your Wi-Fi router or your IoT systems may not have automated patching. Right. You should be proactive and look and see what's out there as the latest patch and update your system. So how do you get your mom or, or your kids, you know, your adult kids who are living away who just want to go to the bar and have fun? Yeah. Erica, you wrote the book on millennials. How do we get the millennials <laughs> to do the difficult non-automated patching? Like, understand that. Yeah, that's a tough part. Yeah. yeah, I think we just have to educate them, like with this podcast today, about the issues associated with not patching. Um, it's it's something that you should do. All right, it's much like going to the dentist, much going to getting a physical every year. It's certain things you need to do in your life to make sure that things are okay. Yeah, I, I just updated my router pass. Uh, pat, I, I patched it to the latest release. Uh, luckily, they sent me an email because I check periodically. Yeah. They send me a note. Last weekend, not this past one, the one before mm -hmm. prior, it took me seven minutes. Maybe. Yeah, and vendors it are getting pretty easy. Yeah, vendors are getting better and better at automated patching. Hopefully, that continues, so you don't have to proactively go out and get patched. Okay, so automatic pa patching, whether it's an IoT device, a computer, Erica, right, a mobile device, a tablet, we got patching. Yep. One of the things I had to do when I was patching my router is remember my password. Yeah. So now what? Other good thing is. Good password management. That's probably the most important thing and and, and the one thing to remember uh, during this podcast. Bad pa passwords are the worst problem. Um, we constantly see people get their credentials compromised, and that is all traced back to bad passwords. Um, if you use one password for everything, that password gets compromised they own you and you do not want to put yourself in that position. So what I recommend is using a password manager. I use one personally. All I got my whole family using password managers. There's a number of them out there on the market. Uh, most of these pro password managers have random number or password generators that they will generate for you and use a different password for every account because so password manager erica do you use one so i don't use one but i was actually listening to a podcast last week about how to make your life easier and it recommended um it recommended using one of those password managers so it's on my to-do list um and then one other tip that someone gave me is a lot of times you know we've been taught to use passwords that um were a word with a number but but one way to switch it up is to use a sentence um, yeah, or something a like a yeah. phrase. Yeah. So that that's one tip that someone gave me um, that that's been helpful because I was guilty of using <laughs> the right. same word and number combination, which was related to my social security number, which I probably shouldn't uh -oh. be saying out loud uh, <laughs> um, uh -oh. for many, many years. So, yeah, that's a bad idea. But. My red Ford Fiesta 07 asterisk might be a good password. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Yes. Or Absolutely. double it up even. Yeah. I like things like a sentence like Dark Side of the Moon is a great album from the 70s. <laughs> Take the first letter of every one of those words like D-S-O-T-M-I-A-G-A-F-T-7-0. 
That's a great password. We're, we're talking about people who a use- A little hard to remember. Five, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think we need to make it simple, but more complex. I think so, the other thing with- Getting back to monkey and simple words, 20 years ago, this is a long, long time ago, right when the internet was starting, I used some, I was messing around with password decryptors, where you could grab someone's yeah. password file, run a dictionary attack against it, and you'd be shocked how easy it is to break passwords. And that was 20 years ago. Well, I'll tell you what's so it's really easy now. You spoke about it, Eric, reusing the same password. Right, yes. right. Well, yeah, the fact that you easy. said a you different password for every... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So use a, a password, okay. a so different a password. password manager is an application, George, that allows you to manage your passwords everywhere. It yep. automates things, Yep. right? So you can log into your website by using the password manager, I'm a Mac user. I know I, I know the latest versions of Mac OS mm-hmm. and iOS what? come with capability. There's one password. There's LastPass, Last right? There Key are a couple pass. of others out there. Chrome browser has a built-in. You might, you mentioned the Apple Keychain. Firefox, they're, they're, I think. So there's, there's a lot, a lot of, good of stuff. capability. Make one complex password that allows you to get into your password manager, yep. and then have your password manager database essentially. Mm-hmm the application accessible from all your devices. Yep. So you know one difficult password, everything else is automated. And it makes your life much, much easier. So can we sum it up with, Erica, catch me here, better passwords and automate them? Right, yes. right. Yep. Well, and use, use the password, tools yeah. that are out there to make <laughs> these things safer and easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the other thing is use two-factor authentication on your really sensitive stuff, your banking, your your trading accounts, other financial institutions, if you use, um, I don't know if like TurboTax uses it or not, but use two-factor authentication where it's available. Some of them um, just send you a text message and you type in that code. Some may say that's not secure because you could detect SMS, but guess what? It's a lot more secure than not using it. So use two-factor. And then the other really important thing is if you use something like Gmail, Hotmail, or Microsoft Outlook, one of the cloud provider email solutions, use strong two-factor authentication on those devices because many times that's your recovery email. Mm -hmm. Like if I go in and as Eric Trexler, I try to get into your bank account, I say, forgot password, it sends an email message to your primary email account. And if that if that is compromised, there is a chance that I could break into your financial institution. So you want to use strong two-factor authentication, strong passwords on your primary email account that all those systems point to. How do you feel about separating email accounts, right? You have your, your banking and your critical emails going to one account. Oh, wow. Personal you know, you're, you're, you're uh, you know, I'm signing up for this 15% discount at Cabela's or whatever it may be. Go to a different email account. Great idea. But yeah. use two-factor authentication on that sensitive one, the one that your banking is tied to. Absolutely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Okay, right. George, what else you got? Most importantly, when you have a password manager, make sure you back it up. Because if you lose that and you lose that data file, you lost all your passwords. So I'm a photographer in my free time for fun. I've got, a, a, you know, probably 14 terabytes of photographs at this point. And one of the things I learned very early on, I was also a database administrator, so I learned this there, um, is backup everything. Yep. 
you know, with the with the ransomware attacks we've seen of, of late, um, with with just the, the the chance for hardware errors, you name it, backups. Backups. Have a local backup. Have at least one offsite backup, and use multiple different backup techniques to create those backups. Because if you lose everything, if somebody had, at least you have the ability to restore your data mm-hmm. somewhere else. So in addition to backing up your passwords and your password manager database, I think you back up everything and you back up offsite at least three different types, different locations. Ah. If you don't, when you are targeted, when you do have a problem, recovery could be a really difficult challenge. You're preaching to the choir. Now, what do you guys think about when backing up um, the cloud-based backup? So I I use a Mac um, and I have a... um, I, I actually have a physical hard drive that I that automatically backs up. Um, but, you know, with Mac, you're also given a, given the um, option of having everything backed up to a cloud. And now there's other you know service providers that allow that. But some people feel there's there's risks there. So you can encrypt those backups. You know, you have to trust the provider. I personally would argue backing an encrypted volume up to an encrypted volume online. You know. There's enough authentication, there's enough security built in where I think you're okay. That's going to really reside on the user. Mm-hmm. It's, it's risk and reward. Let's assume you don't back up and your house burns down, your computer and your backup copy are gone. All right. All right. What's, what's the limit, what's the damage to something like that as opposed to who's going to go into Backblaze or Carbonite or somebody else and steal your information and there are also passphrases you can use. I mean, you can really lock down those backups from all the research I've done. Bottom line is backup. I personally backup. don't use a cloud-based backup. I don't know why. I use USB drives, and I do. Uh, I have offsite storage too. And bring it to work and store it at work. Yep. Store it in a safe. Yeah. I have four copies of, of my critical photographs. I do too. Wow. And okay. also, Eric, <laughs> I'm behind the times. <laughs> my military records. I mean, you you have to. Ha- if somebody compromises your system, and you don't have it backed up somewhere, and you need the multiple backups because you could back up the, the you know the vulnerability or the compromise too, yep. or there could be a problem restoring. You got to have those multiple copies. You have to have a way to get your data mm-hmm. and, if it's important. And ransomware is prevalent. Right. We hear all these uh, attacks. It doesn't with, discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. Backups are your best defense against ransomware. Yep. If any of the hospitals or state governments had good backups, they wouldn't have to pay the ransomware. Hmm. Erica, you mentioned you have a Mac. You can literally go and get a little Samsung T5 drive, 500 gig. I saw it on Amazon the other day. It's 99 bucks. Do it. You can Time Machine can back up to that. That's what I have. I, I, I use Time Machine now. Good. Right, it's automated. It works well. Yeah. It'll back up to it. Plug that thing in when you go to bed once every week. Worst case, but but do that. It'll back up in a you know depending on how much data you have. We're talking twenty minutes, thirty minutes mm-hmm. max. Mm-hmm. It's an SSD drive. It's fast. And then you've got to back up. Also, make sure your backup strategy works. If you do a backup, test it. Test it. Do a restore. Make sure that that file, those files are being copied over. There was one time in my, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, I thought I was doing backups, but I wasn't. So make sure you check those timestamps, recent files, and make sure that everything's working and that you could recover from that. So before we wrap, and I know this is a multi-part, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about was 
don't install. I, I've got an 11 year old. He's yep. not quite 12. Um, you know, he wants to install every single app he can. Yeah. Luckily, we're in iOS. I, I feel it's a little safer. Certainly not feeling comfortable. He wants to install every app he can on his iPhone, on his iPad, yeah. on his Mac. Don't install unknown, untrusted programs. I, I, Don't I install more than you have to. But his risk is much level lower than yours. I disagree. So, and, and Eric, do you include in that um, apps that are on the uh, App Store platform that some of those could potentially be unsafe? Because I guess we always assume if they're, you know, in the in Yeah, the, there's in the some store. checking that's done. But at yeah. the end of the day, if you don't need a program or an app, you should remove it. And that, that goes on right. with your, your PC. When you get a new PC, that be it an Apple, Apple's not as bad, but with uh, with uh Windows-based PCs usually get a lot of extra applications. Yes, you do. The first thing I do is strip all those off. I take off everything that I don't need or I don't want. I remove all unnecessary software. It's just one less avenue for someone to exploit. So, so let me tell you why I say Michael, my 11-year-old, is more risky. There's no risk versus re- reward equation in his mind. Mm-hmm. It's only reward. Mm-hmm. He sees something, a friend sees it, he's bored, he's browsing, he's installing it. it. He doesn't necessarily think of the consequences. He's just installing it. It could be freeware, you know, if it's if it's more costly, he has to come to me. But you disagree with me. I think his risk is a lot lower. What does he lose? Some email, some pictures. But he puts something on my network that could possibly compromise that impacts you, other systems. Well, right? and I and I also think it's just just starting just that whole notion, that mindset of you know just being careful, not always assuming that every game or whatever it is that he's downloading um, is going to be safe. So I mean, I think it sounds like you're also just trying to instill that into him at an early age, which is probably I, I assume a good thing. Hey, are, I, I know we're wrapping up this section of. The podcast. One thing I want to go back to is password management. Yeah. And we routinely get asked for recovery questions like, what was your first car? Where'd you go to school? What's your pet's name? I use a password manager. And in my path, as we talked about before, but inside that password manager, I have a note section. And I put bogus answers in for each one of those. I think that's a great idea. Because that is great advice. With social media, it's very easy to We're find out where it was. From high school. Exactly. It takes two minutes to look it up. Exactly. So uh, I put in some bogus answer. What's your favorite color? I don't even put a color in there. I'll write, you know, iced tea or cliff bars. I'm looking at things in your office. <laughs> I'll just put something completely different because at the end of the day, they just need an answer. And if it's in my password, exactly. And if it's in my password manager, I have it. But I do want to go back, Erica. You know, you're probably the most credible on this. The risk versus reward component of it. Anything that's too difficult, the majority of the users out there aren't going to do it. Mm -hmm. Logging into a password manager to look up that passphrase especially if you use a unique one for multiple sites, mm-hmm. for, for most of your sites, that's going to be a step too far. But they've gotten a, a lot better. Um, one password, for example, built into your browser. It can auto-populate. Chrome has well, it can that auto-populate capability. passwords. Correct. It's not auto-populating your, your key phrase, where did you go to high school? Yeah, but you only need that if you lose your password. Correct. Or if it gets out of sync. That's a fair point. Yeah. Um, so... Do we have time, Erica, to hit safe compute platforms? Yeah, let's let's um, quickly hit that. Um, but again, this is a two-part series, so we don't want to give everything away today. So <laughs> we'll hit that, and then next week we'll okay. wrap up. Okay, George. So, so I think we touched on it briefly. If you get a new PC, strip all unneeded software off of it. 
That's a key. Other thing to do, and I don't do this, but we all should do it, is use a restrictive account. So don't use an administrative account to do all your work. Use a restrictive account, and if you need to do something that requires privilege, log in separately. I recognize that's a pain, so you may or may not want to do it. I personally don't do it, but it's a good thing to do. So don't log in as an administrator. Have it as a separate account from your regular computer. Exactly. Don't give your Eric or Eric account administrative rights on, Mm. on on your Mac, for instance. Uh, you should use a restrictive account because yep. if it gets exploited, they can't use your credentials to do something malicious. Unless you're also enlisted as an administrator. Correct. Correct. So that, that's a good thing to do. It's a, a difficult thing to do, um, but nonetheless. And there's a bunch of other uh, compute pack platforms out there today. You know, we have iPads, we have iPhones, Android, Chromebooks. You know, believe it or not, those systems are more secure than your PCs um, just because they have operating systems that are much newer than what the PC architecture is. Um, So, you know, if you want to do some safe web browsing, I would suggest using your iPad versus your PC, for instance. There's less of an attack surface there. Chromebooks are really good. Um, My my father-in-law wanted a a computer, and I'm the IT guy in the family. I didn't like (laughs) administering his computer. Uh, I recommended a Chromebook. He loves it. Any problem, just reinstall it from scratch. It comes up. It always does a job. No, Chromebook's very easy. Okay. Well, I will tell you one thing. The modern-day computing platforms have really come a long way. Yep. We'll talk about it next week. Windows Defender, though, is from a free AV with with Microsoft Windows. We've got things that, you know, I'm a Mac user. We've got FileVault and the embedded firewalls in the actual OS. So you don't have to go out and buy it. You just have to... You have to enable it. You know, or in many cases, drive, it's enabled by default. What a great idea, right? Enable yep. Fire, fire uh, File Vault, excuse me. Mm-hmm. There's there's literally no cost. And from a compute perspective, I'm crunching huge photography files. I don't notice a difference. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's so seamless. But if that drive or that PC, that Mac gets stolen, unless they have login credentials. You're protected. You're pretty protected in my opinion. Yeah, there's easy user. ways to get data. I mean, off. if somebody wants to get you, if you are targeted by a nation state, you're in trouble. Yeah. Common user, you're going to be okay. All right, but it's just as easy for me to remove your hard drive out of your PC and mount it and read it. It's Unless it's encrypted, though, that's okay. a challenge. Yeah. Okay, Erica, what do you well, think? I'll have to say I've learned a lot just on this episode. So I, I think this is definitely one that um, will be useful to a lot of folks. So, I mean, I think we have to back up. We have to do our patches. We want to make sure we're, you know, changing our passwords. I mean, lots of things that, you know, make a lot of sense, but we're all guilty of not doing. So um, appreciate all of the information that, we've, that, we, that you guys have shared today. And we're going to continue this conversation next week. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so thank you everyone for joining us this week and we'll have part two next week. Let us know what you think. Please subscribe to the podcast as well as rate us and let us know if there are other topics you you would like for us to talk about. Until next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 